welcome humans of Earth, at least I assume of Earth, to Peak Curiosity. I'm Abigail. If you're a consistent listener, try not to get whiplash as I flawlessly transition from the Calvinism episode last week to pop music this week with Clifford Stummy, aka the pop song professor from YouTube. Also, if you're new here because of Cliff, welcome. I'm really happy you're here. I hope you enjoy this episode and feel intrigued enough to stick around for the future. I had a really, really good time. Cliff was really smart and just all around fun. I should also admit that this is at least my 18th try at recording this intro. I know I make it look flawless, but it is not. So, uh, thank you for putting up with me and let's move on. Um, yeah, just enjoy the show. are you and what do you do? I am Clifford Stemmy. I'm the pop song professor and I do a lot of things. Probably the most interesting one is the pop song professor YouTube channel and website and I explain song lyrics that people are confused by. (laughs) Yep. So I found you when well, I am a huge Taylor Swift fan, and so right after... I can kind of tell by the hat. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was mirrored or if you could read it, and I thought it would yep. be a good time. Uh, so <laughs> I think I found you after Reputation came out, and I was like, I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> I will YouTube this. So, yeah. Yeah, that was a really crazy album. A lot of stuff to talk about, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So who are you voting for? Who am I voting for? Yeah. As oh my a goodness. Joke. Oh wait, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see your reaction. <laughs> I was a little bit surprised. It is kind of the question on everybody's mind. Yeah. I'm I want to ask everybody, but I'm a little scared that they'll just like, okay, end meeting, and I'll be like, nah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what's life if you don't take a couple of risks, right? Oh, yeah. So what's your favorite animal? Favorite animal would probably be wolves. I think wolves are really cool. They're very, like, majestic, but they run fast, and dogs are cool. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so where were you born? I was born in the west side of Michigan, uh, but my dad's military, so grew up a little bit of everywhere. I probably was alive in Michigan for <laughs> just six months after birth, and then we immediately moved to another state and then to another state and it never stopped. Nice. And you were yeah. homeschooled and I assume because I was, of all yeah. the moving. Did you yeah. ever get into any homeschool communities? I did. Yeah, I was part of a few homeschool co-ops and uh, went to a few classes, but that was kind of rare. For the most part, uh, we just kind of did our own thing. Um, my mom was a very, very smart person. And my dad would chip in. We I used to do ancient Greek with him, which was pretty cool. Nice. Uh, because he's he's in the ministry, and so he pulled. Um, you know, of course, he'd taken ancient Greek in seminary, so he he found one of his old textbooks, and we started going through it over like coffee. I'd drive to meet him for his lunch during work, and we'd like go through ancient Greek together. <laughs> That's awesome. Are you still up with it? Um, I know most of the letters of the ancient Greek alphabet, and I recognize a few of the words, but uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't really. Stick yeah, up you don't that. read the Bible in Greek. Uh, no, but if I if I'm studying and I'm like really confused by a, a word or a passage, I'll kind of go and look up the words and try to figure mm. out like what the context is. Nice, nice. So you talk a lot about pop music. Yeah. And how do you justify? all the pop music that you probably are listening to and thinking about with the concept of garbage in, garbage out, because a (laughs) lot of pop is garbage. Um, Well, I would say, number one, I'm an adult. And so as an adult, because I've been asked this question before, um, as an adult, I have a filter system that I'm able to work through. Uh, And I think I am very much... Like garbage in, garbage out is, it's a theory. It's not necessarily how things work. It's how a lot of people interpret the way that things work. And some people do let garbage work on them. 
for me, I am a much stronger advocate for the concept of like recognizing truth. And when you're exposed to the truth, you will have a better, deeper understanding of what is actually happening. Now it's a more nuanced and more difficult approach to say like give to kids because they don't have the filter. They don't have a clear understanding of what is true. But like I was just listening to an album by Rihanna as a perk for one of my patrons. And I I can imagine where if like a young kid was listening to some of this Rihanna stuff, they'd be like, okay, that's kind of the world work the way the world works. Or if you had lived in a dark room your whole life and only ever listened to to top 40, you'd leave and be surprised that, and I I don't remember who said this, but I'm I'm copying somebody else. You'd be surprised to go out there and realize that not everybody's having sex all of the time. Uh, And just drinking constantly. Exactly, exactly. But as somebody who lives in the real world, um, it, it's easier to kind of parse through, okay, this is not realistic. This is wishful thinking. This is not real. This is real. This is based on truth, but it's kind of a twist of truth. I think it also helps that I come from like a very analytical and almost scholarly perspective when I look at this stuff. Like I'm not always taking in this pop music for entertainment's sake. Mm-hmm. A lot of times I, I'm coming with a lot of different ulterior motives and purposes in analyzing it. So uh, that helps me to maintain a an understanding of of well just just to not get sucked up into it because I definitely can see some people getting sucked up into it and I wouldn't recommend it. It's like it's like with alcohol where somebody who is an alcoholic you wouldn't want to throw them into a bar, uh, but somebody who is not an alcoholic or doesn't like the taste of alcohol is probably going to be just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do you think? Pop music is important to talk about and analyze. Because it is the number one, at least I haven't mathematically confirmed this, but I believe it is the number one spreader of philosophy and ideas in our culture because we listen to music so, so much. So many of my fans will kind of compare notes at the end of the year to see how many hours Spotify logged us as having listened. And I'm pretty regularly in like the 40s, 50s, or 60,000 hours at the end of the year. But I've had fans that are like in the hundreds of thousands or the hundred of thousands or like 70,000 or 80,000 or something like that. So these these young people especially are getting so many ideas. And we might say like, oh, they're listening to songs about sex. That's not great. A lot of them are listening to alternative rock. So it's not quite as um, crazy as the top 40. But even more important than that, they're listening to philosophies and ideas and theories of how one should live life. And so I, a lot of the time, my motivation for explaining some of these deeper, more like darker sometimes, um, or just very, very popular songs is that I want to encourage other people to build up that kind of filter and that understanding for what is actually being said in the subtext of the songs, rather than just what's being said on the surface. How do you what? Well, what's your metric to determine if a song is good or not? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, There is a really, really good book by my favorite one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis called an experiment in criticism. And a lot of people think of C.S. Lewis as like the Chronicles of Narnia guy or the mere Christianity guy, Uh, but really even better, like he was a great children's author, but he was an even better scholar uh, and English professor. And his book, An Experiment in Criticism, he talks about how we should judge literature. And I'm kind of a big believer in what he says, because he says that if there there are healthy and unhealthy ways of taking in literature or music or songs, And an unhealthy way would be like wishful thinking, like, man, I wish my life were like this totally unrealistic, untruthful depiction of what life looks like. Uh, And he said that if that there are healthy ways to do it, and a healthy way would be something like saying, wow, this takes me to a better place mentally and helps me to be a better person when I finish reading it. And so he says that if one person can listen to a song and it takes him to a better place, like it would be wrong of us to an extent to say like, that is a bad piece of literature. So when it comes to judging whether a song is good or bad, it's very difficult for me to say, wow, this song is bad because there may be somebody somewhere out there who if they listen to the song, their life would be better. At the same time, I do take the risk and sometimes just be like, man, this song is so dumb. Uh, But a lot of times I'm not saying that the song is worthless. I'm mostly just saying that like, wow, the music's really boring to me or these lyrics were obviously written very sloppily or this is very cliched or so I try to, instead of saying good or bad, I try to say lazy seeming or um, cliched or something like I want to describe the surface level. And then if people say, wow, I love cliched music. And then I can say, 
well, you're really going to think this song is good. But if they don't like cliched music, then I'll say, well, you're going to think this song is bad. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you listen to music on a scale of one to 10, how, impar- how important are each of these factors, lyrics, music, and then vocals? <laughs> that is going to be different based on the person for sure. Um, for me, vocals, like vocals would probably be a two or a three for me. I just really could care less about how somebody's voice sounds. If they have like a really cool, unique voice, I'm, I'm all for that. And it's like, there's a barrier, like a minimum good that a voice has to be. (laughs) Otherwise it becomes distracting, Mm -hmm. but I really just couldn't care less about, about good vocals for the most part. Uh, And then music, I would put it up at a, an eight and I would put lyrics up at an eight as well. Uh, Because if it doesn't sound good, I'm not going to listen to it. And if it doesn't have something to say, I might still listen to it, but not for long. Like I'll get tired of it. I'll kind of chew through it and and be done with it. So I would honestly maybe say music is an eight and lyrics are like a seven. Just because I'll still listen to like, like a pop, fun, happy song, but I just, I'll get tired of it quickly. Whereas like a song that has like means something will stick in my brain and I'll stick around with it for like a lot longer. What are, what are you, what's your answer to that question? I'm curious. Well, it really depends. And I joke that I need like a spreadsheet where I can plug in <laughs> numbers so it can predict for me what I will like, because honestly, I don't even know half the time. It does <laughs> depend how good of a mood I'm in when I'm hearing mm-hmm. something for the first time. That is a big factor. I wish it wasn't, but it is. We're just stupid humans. But if it's a bad voice, I just won't listen to it. It doesn't matter how good the other things are. If the voice is like, an eight to a 10, almost the other two don't matter at all. Like if any okay. one of the things is a 10, then the other things maybe don't matter that much. Okay. And then- It rides through on the strength yeah, of that. Yeah. Um, so when, when did you really get into music? Ooh, that's a good question. Because like as a kid, I can remember up until like age 12, I thought that people who really listened to music were kind of stupid <laughs> because I, I saw all these like boomer memes on Facebook or something where it was like pictures of kids with headphones in kind of like being oblivious to the real world. And I, I was a people pleaser and I was mostly like I hung out with my parents a lot. I was the oldest kid. And so oldest kids like try to please their parents a lot of the time. And so I was like, oh, yeah, these stupid kids these days with their stupid earbuds in, listening to their stupid iPods. This is so dumb. I'm above this. And then um, I started, like, actually finding cool music and listening to it with earbuds. I think when I started, like, running long distance, which was probably around when I was 12. And then when I got my car or got my driver's license at, like, 16, I started turning on the radio and I was like, okay, there's actually some good stuff here. And mm-hmm. I started listening to like the oldies uh, station. It was Bob FM where they play anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was like, it was a little bit of pop, a lot of eighties and nineties. And I was, I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Then I would dip into the, 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 the top 40 every once in a while. I was like, okay, they're making some cool music these days too. Mm-hmm. And, and from that point on, I was sold. That's awesome. So <clears throat> now we will, start the segment of I don't like 21 pilots change my mind oh no oh no why not uh I think I don't like the way he sings or raps I really don't like rap just to start okay and he's not a great singer so that kind of makes me not like it but then Half the time, I don't know what the songs are about, so then that frustrates me, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you're a Taylor Swift fan, I mean, she makes it oftentimes, unless she's doing a satire, like, Mm -hmm. mean or, like... Blank um, Space. Blank Space, that's exactly what I was thinking of, Um, where she's just making fun of people and the meaning is not, like, immediately clear. Usually, like, you can pick up on what's going on, Mm -hmm. like, by the second listen at the most. Um, unless, of course, you're going into it extra and you're trying to figure out who she's talking about, in which case it might take a little bit of Googling. But yeah. interesting. So you don't really like the voice and the songs are a little bit too confusing to really be enjoyable. Like you feel like you can't vibe with it. Mm-hmm. Like, does anyone know what Heathens is about? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Okay, please tell me. <laughs> um, it's about his fan base, uh, or about their fan base, the Skeleton Click. And um, kind of, basically, they had blown up with their album Blurry Face and just had become, like, massively popular. And so when they released Heathens, it was kind of telling all of the people who were new to the fan base, who were kind of coming in and being like, oh, yeah, 21 Pilots, but hadn't been around for a while and didn't understand the ethos of the group. It was basically telling them, like, look, all my friends are heathens. Take it slow. Like, they use this music as emotional support. So just, uh, you know, be respectful. And let's all try to, to jam together in a peaceful, respectful way. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And that was a tough song to figure out. Like, I went back and forth on the meaning. Posted, I have, I, I've posted videos about it that I was completely dead wrong and eventually figured it out. I think I watched all of them. And every time I was still like, <laughs> I don't no i just don't know <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's since been confirmed partially i think maybe in an interview but at least because of the concerts they use um very strongly the symbols that they use to like represent their fan base it's a big part of the artwork in the concerts and there's one thing about Tomorrow pilots is that the songs are made to be performed not to be to listen to on spotify so if you really want to get the full 21 pilots experience like the band is all about live shows. The c- CDs, the singles, the music videos is all secondary to the live show. Gotcha. That's interesting. So if I was really going to convince you, I would take you to a show and say, okay, now what do you think? Okay, that's fair. I will never turn down a concert. Okay, so can you give me like five songs as an introduction to 21 Pilots? Okay. That would and not I'm gonna be keep too your... offensive. That would not be too offensive? Too offensive to my ears. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, let's see. I'm going to I'm gonna look through a couple of their songs or a couple of their albums and try to give, like, a variety. These won't be the five best songs, but they will be, like, five songs. Do you come from a religious background at all? I do. Okay, so I would recommend Taxi Cab from their album Self-Titled or just titled 21 Pilots. I won't recommend Johnny Boy because nobody knew what that meant until I was able to uh, interview the the band the lead singer's dad and we figured and he, <laughs> he finally revealed to the world what that song. Oh meant. my! How did you forever. manage that? A long and convoluted quest to a ancient and far land. I had to bring back the Holy Grail <laughs> and present it to him, and then he granted me an interview. I wouldn't have done it for anything less either. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the video got like 20,000 views off of it or something. So like, what's that, $20 in, in ad revenue? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> um, okay, so I would recommend that one. And I would recommend House of Gold because that one is about his mom. Then from Blurry Face, I would recommend The Judge and Not Today. Okay. And then from their newest album, Trench, I would recommend, I think that the hype stands alone. It might be a little bit confusing, but I was in the music video. So that would be kind of a cool reason to suggest it, I guess. Were you an extra? I was an extra, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Did you know you were an extra? Or was yeah. it they were just like filming and then you saw yourself in the street somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they put out a casting call. And I'm in Virginia, and they were doing a casting call for Columbus, and my, my fans told me about it, or maybe I saw it like seven minutes after it posted. And I don't remember which, but I saw it really quickly. And so I put my name in and it was, it was a shock. They selected me. That's awesome. I, uh, I drove up at like noon on a Tuesday and they had said like, you either are going to be part of groups A, B, or C, either the 11 PM group, the 1 AM group or the 3 AM group. And I didn't know what group I was supposed to be. So I was like, okay, I'll just drive up at noon. And as I was driving on the driver, they're like, hey, you're the 3 a.m. group. And I was like, well, I'm not going to be driving at two in the morning to get there. Mm-hmm. So I just kept going. And I uh, I hung out and showed up at 3 a.m. and waited in line to for them to like process us for like two hours or an hour and a half. Then we waited for like another two hours because like there had been storms and then we got on a bus and then we waited another hour and then we got to the actual scene and we saw them like up on this roof, like doing their thing. And, uh, and they were like, the, the crew was giving us instructions. They're like, all right, everybody dance now. 
and uh and it was pretty cool nice nice i would feel so awkward i think in theory that sounds fun but in actuality i would be like "Mm, nah i'm scared it was a little bit awkward Yeah. yeah yeah it definitely was and then you have to wait with a bunch of people that you don't know. Like we started forming alliances and like making small like groups of friends and hanging out and chatting and stuff. So it, like we had a good time, but it was a lot of waiting. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Okay. So I have questions on what your thoughts are on folklore. Ah, okay. Very good. Very good. Now it has, I will say it has been a little while since I would, you know, did a lot of work with folklore, so I might have to look up particular songs. But let's do it. Okay. Um, is this her best album? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> oh man, um, it's her best recent album, <laughs> for sure. It's uh, "Lover" was was fine. It was, was it? It was fine. It was fine. Reputation was unique, which I appreciate. Like, if you can't be good, be unique. Uh, not that it was bad, but it was, uh, <laughs> wow. it was I don't know. Sick I didn't really like it so much. <laughs> uh, but I really like Red. I think that's the one that's the, the competition for me. Gotcha. Folklore felt so thoughtful and so adult and so mature. And it was exactly what I needed to hear from Taylor Swift. Uh especially after the chaos of reputation, the the pop machine of 1989, and the basically just, man, I really like Joe Alwyn of Lover album. Yeah. And I really wanted to like, I wanted, okay, so who is Taylor Swift now? And I felt like Folklore gave us that. Yeah. But musically, I don't know if anything will ever top Red. Red was just so good. Musically, huh? Yeah, and I should clarify that I have no musical ability or <laughs> taste. I just really like Red. <laughs> gotcha. So when I heard, well, Red had been my favorite. And 1989 is really close because 1989 just puts me in a good mood. So if I just need a good time, yeah. I'll put it on. But about, I think I was only two songs into Folklore through the first listen. And I thought, this album is the reason I have been a fan. I knew this was in her and I was waiting for it to happen. So (laughs) in my opinion, it was like basically within the first minute, I was like, this is the best album. (laughs) Nice. See, and I, I really like Taylor Swift. I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm one of her biggest fans. Like I don't have a Taylor Swift pillow and I don't have a reputation hat. So I don't know, from your perspective as like a true fan, like, like, what did you really like about folklore? So I liked the music style for one, that music. And my husband pointed out that when I just listened to all of the music that I've been listening to this year, it fits in really nicely Mm. to the style. So music number one, but number two, it is the combination of her song writing and storytelling skills meeting up with like the best her voice has ever sounded so Mm. it was all three of those things were coming together to make the best album so like it and it was a really fun exercise for her to just say i just want to escape and i'm just going to make up some stories and she's really good at writing them and even connecting from song to song there will still be some things and i really like how she creates an image or a symbol in one song and then in future songs, she can just use one word to trigger an entire storyline mm. to add to this song to now expand on a new idea. Mm. So that's what I really like about it. <laughs> she she's so good at songwriting. Yeah. Like she's is it's I don't know, I think we give performers a lot of the credit or people who've got the attitude or the swagger or whatever, but like just putting together a compact single song with the musical structure, with the lyrical content, with the, 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 that fit into the bigger picture of who she is. Like it would be very, very difficult to find somebody who is better at it than her. Yeah. Yeah. And she's able to keep the song interesting because often in the second verse, she will, 
just change a few melody notes and it's enough to keep you engaged because you're like, oh, this mm. is new. And she'll do that with choruses too, where throughout the song, she'll change a line or two to change the meaning throughout. And so she just gives you enough new information within a familiar structure so that you don't feel lost and confused, but you're still staying engaged because there's new information coming in. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I had not noticed that, and that is really, really cool. Yeah. That's next level songwriting stuff right there. Yeah, it, it really is. Okay, I guess we can go off Taylor Swift. I know a lot of people hate her, <laughs> so they probably will have stopped listening at this point. <laughs> uh, I think that's the interesting thing about her. Well, okay, yeah, I won't go ahead, I won't go dive ahead. in. I, I would just say, like, she she is maybe more than she is a good songwriter, is she might be a better marketer. Uh, because she's just so so good at establishing an image keeping it consistent and she's very good at inspiring just enough people to hate her that it drives a little bit of outrage that it makes her fans like her more and defend her more it's 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 a she's a master class in in like 21st century (laughs) i was gonna say 21st century marketing but i guess those are kind of the same thing Uh, yep okay uh who does dark pop better, Lord, Billie Eilish, or Lana Del Rey? Oh, wait. That's so interesting that you would choose those three. I actually just, I uh, I am a regular guest on a radio station here in town, and I don't think I chose Lana Del Rey for my third, but I was doing kind of a dark pop theme, and I chose Lord, Billie Eilish, and I don't remember who the third was. Oh, I think it was Halsey. Dark pop. Ooh. Yeah, see, if you had said whisper no, if it was Whisper Pop, I probably would have to say Billie Eilish, but maybe, oh gosh, that's <laughs> such a difficult question. I don't like Lana Del Rey. I don't either. It's so, it's like, it's like the great Gatsby and Fitzgerald, who is one of my favorite authors of all time, without the the depth or the payoff. And it's so focused on her vocals, which are just are not interesting vocals to me personally, though I think lots of people like it. And she never has, she very rarely gets any kind of like pop bangers. And so I, I don't have like that, that anchoring point for me to then want to go and look into the rest of her music. Um, Billie Eilish, I respect like crazy, but I, I think Lord is, is hard to beat. Yeah. I think, I think Lord is, she, she's one of my absolute favorite artists of all time. I just, I adore everything that she puts out. Yeah. Yeah, so when Melodrama came out, you were talking about it, and I had a couple other music people that I was listening to saying, oh man, this album is so good, and I listened to it, and I was like, guys, I don't understand, but since I had so much respect for so many people, I was like, I'll just keep listening. (laughs) So one day at work, I listened to it like three or four times, the whole album in a row, and by the end, I was like... I get it. This is the best album that's been created. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it's been a little while since I've listened to melodrama, but she, I think I respect Lord a lot for her personal life too, because she in person from all I've seen is a very understated, calm, cerebral person. Yeah. And she came from a poetry background because I think her mom was like the poet laureate of New Zealand or something like that. Yeah, serious. Don't quote me on that, but I think that might have, it was something crazy like that. And she just puts so much thought into what she does. It's never shallow. Like they're just, I couldn't point to a shallow Lord song. She doesn't put out bad songs or something. There's no filler songs on anything she puts out. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't confirm that her mom was I forgot already what you said, but I know that her mom was in literature of some sort and that Lord I had read that she, by the time she was 11 or something she'd read like a thousand books. So she's just <laughs> seriously smart. And yeah, she doesn't waste anything. Although I do have a much harder time with pure heroin. Oh, yeah? There are not as many... Like, I don't think each song is so good as melodrama. Mm. Each one is really good. To be fair, she was, like, 16. I know, so yeah. I, I will say that, like, melodrama may be called melodrama, but Pure Heroine is the more melodramatic one. Yeah. And there are a few songs where it does feel like, okay, we're getting a 16-year-old's perspective. And, and sometimes that falls flat for me in my mid twenties, but, but wow, 
what a, what deep perspectives and like really good thinking through of things for somebody who is 16 or 15 or 14 or however old it just blows my mind yeah and then billy eilish you're a fan i am a fan yeah um i'm not quite so melodramatic a person as billy <laughs> eilish but i respect people who have that kind of artistic vision and commit to it even mm-hmm. if it's not one that i personally would commit to mm-hmm so I really, really like that, even if some of her visuals do are a little bit gross. Um, but yeah, no, I think that uh, I think she does just a phenomenal job and she's kind of pioneered a new sound, kind of working off of the backs of people like Lana Del Rey and Lord, but she's taken it to a new level. And it's, it's, it's very cool to see somebody so young doing that. I'm not always a huge fan of, of young pop artists. I'd like to see a little bit of age and maturity. But I think that Billie Eilish does a really good job. And she's very, very thoughtful. Mm -hmm. I think what has grounded her the most is her relationship with her brother, Phineas. Mm. I think if she didn't have him, then it would be a train wreck. If it isn't already a half a train wreck. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that is really interesting about her is last I heard, even though she's a millionaire by now, her and her family didn't move like they still live in the same house and they Mm. haven't just drastically changed their lifestyle and just you know gotten drunk off the fame and the money how is it possible to have not moved houses i feel like somebody would have figured out their address and people would be crawling all over that yeah maybe Uh, that was just the last i heard i didn't fact check it it's always nice to see that because then you feel like wow it really was about the music for them not about the money yeah yeah, for sure. I want to ask a couple questions about your YouTube channel. So okay. what do you do personally and what do you delegate out? Well, currently we're kind of in a, uh, a transition period. Um, we started out with a blog. We added a YouTube channel, added a podcast. Eventually it was like, there was just so much to do with everything else in life. And I started getting a PhD. And so I had to drop the, the podcast for a bit. Um, so right now, and I we haven't posted much to the, the website. It's It's still bringing in like, 250,000 views a month or something like that, or visits a month um, from people who are just searching meanings of songs, but mm-hmm. I just haven't added to it really. The YouTube, and, and even when I did, I, I had started transitioning into having, paying other people to write the posts. Um, with the YouTube channel itself, I do the ideas, I do the filming, and then I have somebody else who edits the videos for me. And then somebody, sometimes I'll ask somebody to help me with the thumbnails though. Sometimes it's just so last minute that, I don't have time and I just have to do it myself. Gotcha. I thought about asking for an intern at one point or seeing if anybody wanted to be an intern for like a scholarship or something. Um, But like I said, we're kind of in a transition period trying to figure out what's next. Sure. So how do you, (laughs) how do you avoid burnout and how do you not obsess over the numbers? And I'm asking for a friend. Um, well, I, uh, I wish I hadn't, I wish I had avoided burnout. Um, that's part of the reason for the transition right now. And, uh, I, uh, how do you, okay. I'm going to take that one part at a time. How do you avoid burnout? Well, first off, you don't obsess about the numbers (laughs) and you, you try to make sure that whatever you're creating is something that you really do enjoy creating. If it is about the money and the numbers, if you don't get money or numbers, you're going to get tired. If it's also or primarily about explaining songs, building a community, stuff like that, things that you can control, if you can, con- you can control what you do. Like if you want to tell stories or if you want to record podcasts, like you can record podcasts, you can control, you can tell stories, whether somebody else is listening or not. Mm-hmm. And so if that is your goal and what brings you joy in that situation, then you're not going to get burnt out unless you're just trying to do too much of it. Cause that can sometimes stifle the fun of it. Mm-hmm. But if you are, if all of your goals are based on how other people respond to what you do, well, either a, it's a business, which is where a lot of people are at. And it's where they need to be. And they're trying to make money off of it. And so you, tough luck. It's you're burnt out. You got to keep working. Um, or B they, you know, they're kind of ruining something that's, that's creative and fun for them by saying, well, I care more about the numbers than I care about doing this thing. It's such a catch-22 because we creatives want to build something that other people will look at, and it would be wonderful to be able to do that full-time, but we kind of have to recognize, all right, 
I want to do this full time, but if doing this full time is going to mean creating something where I obsess over numbers and get burnt out and am depressed the entire time that I think about it, that's probably not actually something you want to do full time, no matter how much money you would make. Mm And so you have to start with something that you personally find fulfilling. And it's easy to get sidetracked by exciting or fun or passionate. You have to find something that is fulfilling and something that you can do in the long term. Mm -hmm. I think that would be my answer to that very, very tough question. I think a lot of people say that, well, it's easier said than done, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because day in and day out, you look at the the stats today, you look at the stats tomorrow and it starts to snowball. You're looking at the stats every 15 minutes eventually. And, uh, and you feel like, wow, my worth as a person is on the line because I'm only 15 views good enough. Well, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. not the case. There's, there's a lot of, a lot of factors to it. How's your comment section? The best one on the internet. Is it? Everybody is super positive. They have deep thoughts. They share personal stories, very respectful of each other. What happens if you drag on Katy Perry, which you do a lot? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it gets a little bit more violent because then all the Katy cats uh, come by and they all tell me what a terrible person I am. And then my fans, I think, kind of shake their heads and are like, Cliff, you brought this on yourself. But a couple of them will dive in and be like, listen to the context of what he's saying. Like, like, you know, don't be so disrespectful. And they'll try to defend me. And I'm like, oh, guys, I'm sorry I put you in this position. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And now it's time for a word from my sponsor, which is me. I'm not going to ask for money. Instead, I'm going to ask you to leave a review on iTunes or Google. My biggest vision for this podcast is to take the square millimeter of the internet that I get to be a part of and make it a better place. I really want to do this by branching out and talking to people with whom I don't often agree, but still have a great time and find out where we do agree. A review would help in this way. When I try to contact a possible guest, they can look up my podcast and see what it's about to see if I'm the kind of person they would feel comfortable with giving me editing power over their voice, which is a huge risk. Obviously, leave an honest review, but if the honest opinion is less than four stars, you can just keep it to yourself. Another simple thing would be to share an episode here and there with a friend. Anywho, let's get back to it. Just give me a quick rundown of your other channel, College Hacked. Yeah, College Hacked. So trying to decide what exactly to do with that and how much time and resources to put into it. Um, during the school semester, it's tough to, to find the extra effort. But I graduated college at age 18 for about seven and a half grand because I used a lot of CLEP exams and DSST exams, basically credit by exam where you get to earn college credit just for studying something on your own rather than having to sit through a class. Completely completely viable way of learning. Uh, it's competency-based learning where you try to hit metrics instead of just having to sit and wait for them to say, well, you've spent 16 weeks here doing stuff. You're good to go. Sure. And so you kind of learn at your own pace. And so, yeah, I graduated early, saved a bunch of money, didn't have to take on any debt. And College Hacked is all about telling other people how they can do it too. And even in small ways, like somebody could test out of 102 credits like I did, or they could test out of three. And if you test out of three college credits, I mean, for most people, that's like a thousand bucks saved right there. Yeah, it's not just nothing. For taking. Exactly, exactly. I mean, that could be that could be huge for somebody. So I just try to get the word out there and, and remind people that, hey, there are other ways to do college than what just kind of like the the go with the flow people like the go with the flow wants you to do, which is, Hey, hop in, take a bunch of debt. And then hopefully you get a job. Yeah. Well, maybe. Yeah. What is your degree in? My bachelor's degree is in English. My master's degree is in English and my PhD is in higher education administration. And are you able to do the the master's and the PhD using the same system or are you having to do it traditional? Sort of. Um, I When I was going through the, the master's, I had to be very traditional, um, but they had like a language requirement, requirement, and I was able to negotiate like an alternative way to earn that credit. And then for the PhD, the school I was going to had a option where if you had life experience that matched up with some courses, then you could put in a portfolio that would let you just skip the course. And I was able to earn like a quarter of my PhD in higher education administration through that method because- 
my whole job was higher education administration. Yeah. Huh. I feel like you were so stubborn that you didn't want to spend money. You just found all the loopholes. It wasn't even stubbornness. It was just that I get bored easily. And so the thought of like having to spend four years in college and just like waiting that long before I could get onto the stuff I really wanted to do just just wasn't exciting to me. Sure. So how old are you? 26. You're 26 and you already have a master's. That's pretty cool. I assume that you can't go this route through anything to do with anything medical or could you for the um what are they called the base requirements yeah yeah for general education anybody can test out of some stuff um for free electives anybody can test out of those that's going to depend on the school some schools don't accept clep exams most of them do like two thousand in the or thirty thousand i don't remember how many thousands do in the united states and, but some of them will say, hey, we're only going to accept 15 credits or 30 credits or 60 credits. So uh, depending on where you go to school, you should, most people should be able to test out of at least a year of college. Oh, and you can do that over the summers too. It's, it's the best part-time job ever. Nobody, nobody else is going to pay you $30,000 to, for, for a summer. And so you might as well just go test out of stuff and save $30,000. Sure, sure. So if you were made dictator of college, (laughs) (laughs) the dictator of college, yeah, how would you, what are the things that you would change? Oh, um, really, honestly, the problem starts with employers who just say, Hey, to apply for this job, you need a bachelor's degree when really what you need is two weeks of on the job training. I think that is the dumbest thing in most cases. I mean, obviously, like if you're going to be a nurse, you need some pretty strong training, but I would really try to make things more about certifications and try to encourage and work with employers to create job requirements that were more like, hey, you want to be an entry-level position in marketing, you need to have these 15 certifications. And those certifications could be things you could get at college. And once you had those, you'd be good to go. And it would take two years instead of four years. So I would really try to differentiate between a career preparatory degree and a liberal arts degree. Because a lot of people are just trying to get the career prep and it's it's almost unethical to make them pay for everything else. Yeah, I agree. I agree that it's not almost, it just is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I suppose I'll go into my final four questions so you can get on with your life. Excellent. So do you like The Office or Parks and Rec? I like both of them, but I like The Office better. How about, um, so in Genesis 1 through 11, do you think that is history or legend? Oh, interesting. Um, I really don't have, I think that as you get more and more educated, you realize more and more how little you know. And there are incredibly smart people on both sides of that argument. I mean, I believe that God created the world. How he did it? I would have a hard time staking my life and reputation on on either way, just partially because I'm not an expert in that. I've chosen to pursue expertise and other things. For me, the important thing is just believing that God did create it. Yeah. Uh, do you think that there are aliens? Interesting. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I honestly don't think I would be surprised. I kind of, I like C.S. Lewis's space trilogy, and so part of me wants there to be aliens. But I don't know, again, that I would stake life and reputation on there being aliens. Sure. On a scale of 1 to 10, where would you put certainty of aliens existing? (laughs) Certainty. Um, Yeah, certainty is a funny word there. I would put my guess at 3 out of 10. Okay, that's pretty low. That's pretty low. But it would be a pleasant surprise if they did exist. Yeah. I'm sure Have we you could been hang. hearing any of the updates this summer from the government saying they found like ship material that is not from this earth and things I like did that. not see that. Yeah. I did hear about water on the moon. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. Um, <laughs> are you a follower of Babylon B? I uh I used to be, not anymore. Sad. It's the highlight of my life. I think you should bring oh, yeah? it back. Yeah. <laughs> if you need any joy. Yeah. Um, but they just put out an article about the water on the moon, and they said <laughs> that finding water on the moon trump 
starts the Space Navy. (laughs) (laughs) That is a pretty good one. It's pretty good. Yeah. They they have some real winners for sure. Yeah, they do. All right. My final one is who or what inspires you to be your best self? I would say it's two things. I would say, number one, it's my wife, April who is an example of a person who is good in a lot of ways that I didn't really know to value being good in, but watching her, seeing the consistency, listening to her explain why I should be better in some ways um, motivates me to to want to be a better person. Uh, and then I would say that the book Blue Like Jazz by Donald Miller is another big motivator to me. Um, wanting to take faith to a level that is personal and real uh, without being cheesy or kitschy. Um, wanting to be open to God rather than put on a show of, and it it sounds like I'm talking about a book that could have been written by any 20 something Christian thinker in, in, you know, the 20 aughts, but like blue, like jazz is a special book. It's really powerful. You know, that reminds me, I forgot to ask the most important question earlier, which is you have stated that you do not listen to Christian music. And I'm wondering why, and why is Christian music so bad? Yeah, that's a good question. Just as many of your questions are. I will sometimes turn on the Christian radio station, and I have a couple of Christian songs in my playlists that I listen to, but I do not exclusively listen to Christian music, and I and probably 80% of it drives me crazy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Rich Mullins, and I think that Christian con- praise and worship peaked in the late 90s with people like rich mullins but a lot of christian music that you hear on the the radio stations is shallow and musically very very boring and a lot of it is trite and lazily written and i think some of it and, and here's the thing is like, this is the problem is if you don't listen to it, you start to run out of being able to explain it because it's been so long since you've mm-hmm. listened to some of it. So to be able to back up some of these claims, I'd have to go back, but I'm, I feel pretty confident that things haven't changed too much. Um, a lot of it, I think the, uh, here's what I will stand by is that a lot of it is focused on evoking an emotion based on emotion and for emotion's sake. For me, I believe that emotion should primarily come from truth. And so if somebody shares a really strong truth that hits me hard, then then I, I know that I can trust that. And I, I know I can trust those emotions because they're based on something true. A lot of times in Christian music, I hear way too much reliance on the synth pads and on sad, droopy voices that barely above a whisper <laughs> And all of these minor keys mixed in and key changes and all of the stuff that just always feels so manipulative, like it's trying so hard to not allow me to be worshipful, but it's trying to force me to be worshipful. And me personally, I rebel anytime somebody tells me I should feel a certain way. If people say, hey, you should care more about this important issue. I'm immediately defensive. If they say, hey, you should be more worshipful right now. Hey, you should be sad. Hey, you should apologize for that. I My immediate go-to is always to say, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I might have if you had asked nicely, but there's no way now. And so part of that's a personal thing, but I think it does highlight like a real issue. And it's that a lot of Christian music is based on an emotional appeal for a substance that isn't always there. And when an artist doesn't put work into writing good lyrics, I notice And that makes me respect what they're trying to do less. And there's just so much lazy songwriting when it comes to Christian lyrics because they just, they slam out stuff that has the same tired cliches again and again. And I'm starting to rant at this point. I mean, this is almost a podcast in and of itself, but if that all makes sense, that's, that's where I'm at. And so I really love a lot of amazing Christian artists, but most of them are artists that are Christian, not CCM Mm -hmm. type people. Yeah. I was talking to my brother about this and he said something that reminded me of one of the reasons I think it's bad is that a lot of people want music that their kids can listen to. And so they've started to write music that is appropriate for three-year-olds and almost nothing that is appropriate for a three-year-old is interesting to an adult. 
Almost nothing. Yeah. And honestly, most of the Bible isn't appropriate for a three-year-old, really. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, if you ever watched a kid's show, it's bright colors, it's exaggerated emotions, it's big, 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 exciting, exciting, exciting. And if it's sad, it's really, really sad because we have kids, kids are dumb and it, we have to work extra hard and be extra exaggerated to communicate things to them. And so when I listen to Christian music, I feel like they're treating me like an idiot. Perfect. Can I take that last sentence and just, <laughs> I'm going to isolate that. <laughs> just, just snip that. Yeah. Yep. Make that your, uh, your, your audiogram yep. or something. That's, yeah. That's, that's it. All right. Well, it's been an hour and you have things to do, so I'll let you go. But this has been really fun. Abigail, thank you so, so much for having me on. This has been a blast getting to talk about so many exciting things that I love. So thanks for giving me the excuse awesome. to do that. Awesome. Okay. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye.